My name is Captain Ozzy with Marker 23 Guide Service, and you're listening to the Eastern Current Fishing Podcast. Today I had the chance of sitting down with Captain Dana of Real to Real Fishing Charters. Captain Dana and I talked about everything under the sun in regards to big speckled trout. From lures to strategies to what he likes to look for when targeting big gator trout. I appreciate you guys listening, and I hope you enjoy. This weekend is the first ever Eastern Current Online Angler Series Redfish Tournament. If you haven't signed up and want to fish, please sign up this week. It's going to be a great time, and we're hoping for a good turnout. Remember, you can fish from the southern coast of Georgia all the way to the northern coast of Virginia. Please follow the link in the show notes to visit the registration page and get a full list of the rules. Hope to see you all out at the tournament. If I'm fishing a jig, you can bet it's going to be an eye strike Texas eye. Dave and Ralph at iStrike have built the most versatile and durable lineup of jigs in the saltwater industry. Whether you need a finesse presentation on spooky wintertime redfish, or you need to hop a big swim bait on deep water structure for cobia and bull redfish, iStrike has the jig for you. Be sure to check out their website and use code EC10 for up to 40% off all iStrike products and 10% off all Z-Man products. The code can only be used at iStrikeFishing.com and you can find the code and the link to their website in the podcast show notes. If you haven't already, be sure to check out Eastern Current on Patreon. There you'll be able to find our weekly Ramp Talk podcast where my guide buddies and I discuss our day-to-day fishing on the way to the boat ramp in the morning. You will also be able to find extra video content that you can't find on YouTube. If you've loved listening to the Eastern Current podcast, subscribing to our Patreon is a great way to help support the show. Well, Captain, uh, I appreciate you carving out some time and chatting fish with me today. Uh, and, and before we get into everything, like like every other episode, um, guides are really, really good at this first question. Um, they'll tell me your story question. <laughs> I feel like it's something we get as guides. We get this question quite a bit. Uh, people want to know, like, man, how'd you end up doing this for a living? And, how, you know, where'd, where'd you come from? And but uh, so I'm sure you got the script ready. Uh, we all know this story pretty good. But uh, tell me a little bit about where you come from, how you ended up where you're at, man. Well, uh, mine's actually probably a lot briefer than most because uh, I've only been guiding about three years. Um, I'm one of those hobby guides, I guess. I've heard it labeled that before because I actually have a full time job and I I like to charter on the side. But um, I've fished in and around Newburn my whole life. I grew up over in Bridgeton, North Carolina, not far from um, Upper Broad Creek. Fished a lot of Broad Creek when I was a kid, a lot of Fairfield Harbor, Northwest Creek, that area. Um, cool Springs, Little Swift Creek, fishing for shad and, you know, crappy and largemouth. And the next thing you know, you, you get hooked up on a red drum and a speckled trout, and that ruins the rest of your life. So um, <laughs> That's well said. But I, yeah, I got bit at a young age. Uh, I can remember my first, my first double drop rig, double hookup on on puppy drum. Um, I was probably nine, 
10 years old and, you know, I had to put them back and I, I mean, it really upset me and I didn't understand why. And once I figured out, you know, at that age, you don't know what size limits are. You really don't know nothing about it. Once I figured out that they were bigger versions of that, I had, I made it a plan to go see if I could catch more of them. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I got, I got, if these get bigger and as hard as these two pulled, I got to go catch more. So I, I really got kind of bit at that point, but at 18, I decided I needed to go serve the country, join the military. Um, I was in the Navy for 12 years, um, fished on and off, coming home, fishing the piers, fishing the surf, you know, whenever I could. Um, I was stationed in Norfolk from 1995 until 97, 94 to 97. Um, so I got to fish the hot ditch, which was really, really cool. Um, and there's back then we didn't really measure fish to say how big our fish were other than weight. And, you know, in Virginia, your military, um, there was no social media. There was no bragging about nothing. It was just straight up fishing. I, I, there's no telling how many six, seven, eight pound trout we actually caught right? because it was just kind of normal. So, yeah. Um, kind of jump in and and tell us a little bit about the hot ditch for people who may not be familiar uh, with it. (laughs) So the hot ditch was a warm water discharge from a power plant that got shut down, um, sometime in the early two thousands. I don't exactly remember when, but this hot ditch in, in that area, I believe it was Elizabeth River, um, this ditch area was always a certain temperature. I mean, it stayed that temperature almost year-round, and it was just so perfect for a speckled trout. And it would generate these really, really large fish. And, I mean, it was nothing for, what I'm guessing, a 20-inch fish there was probably three and a half to four pounds. Easy. Just they were really fat, really heavy. And they had constant food supply because the warm water helped generate a lot of bait, a lot of plant life for, you know, your smaller bait fish to eat. And then, of course, that attracts bigger fish. And, you know, it just was this really weird little spot. And it it wasn't – the funny thing was it wasn't really challenging. So it's not like, you know, you had to really learn how to fish the hot dish. You just kind of showed up, and they bit or they didn't, and it was that simple. Um, So – course in today's day and age you know you would never that would be just overrun with people at this point so i'm kind of not glad that it shut down but it definitely changed that whole fishery but sure during that time is yeah during that time is when i really got bit by the you know the speckled trout bug um ended up on the west coast for a little while got out of the navy and when i moved home i said i'm probably going to be a captain at some point Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved home in 2008, um, worked a couple of jobs, ended up in the car business. I kind of like it, working finance. It's a really good job. Um, it kind of, you know, it pays the bills and lets me move forward to what my retirement plan is, which is charter fishing. So um, I was coming along when, you know, Jeff Crunk, uh, Mike Taylor, they, they were probably at the peak of their tournament just heydays. Um, watching those guys and people like Dale Collins come up. Yeah. Um, these are all people that I look up to. So, uh, and I think Jeff and Mike and myself, we're all pretty much close to the same age. You know, I'm yeah. almost 50 years old. So they can still I came be. To the game. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was say, Mike and Jeff can still be hard to beat. You know, I know they're not the young oh, guns, the God. young stallions, but um, 
it's often tough to watch them walk down a dock with two bags. It's like, oh, you know, you, you just know. <laughs> it was a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, Mike went on Facebook, and he was back in the creek somewhere, and he went, he recorded a video, and he's taken four, five, six pound trout out of his live well, and oh, throw that one back. Oh, throw that one back. I'm like, God help that guy, man. Oh my God. Yeah. So hard to be. You know, I, yeah, I respect those guys. I have nothing but admiration for those guys. And I'm, I'm sure at any point, if I ever needed something, I could call Jeff and he'd be like, yep, I'm there for you, whatever you need, man. Um, but it, 2008, I moved home, uh, started fishing a lot around Swansboro, started fishing a lot around Moorhead and ended up back in New Bern at some point and just started dissecting the news piece by piece by piece. And when I felt comfortable, which to be honest, it was still probably premature. Um, when I felt comfortable, I got my captain's license and started guiding people. And, you know, I went through my days of zero catches and, you know, making excuses and telling people, sorry, the fish didn't bite when, you know, there probably was a better option out there. And the good thing is, I only ran trips for people that I knew. I didn't take any strangers. It was always people I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I was blessed to be able to have people that let me cut my teeth on them. You know, like, hey, yep. learn how to guide with us on the boat. It's a lot more comfortable. Yep. So um, I was, and really, I got to kind of give a shout out to three guys um, Kevin Dewar, Ashley King, and uh, Ben Ricks, um, 3D Charters keep casting charters and rich brothers outdoors um those guys took me under their wing uh, if i ever needed help they've always been there for me um mm-hmm. that's why they're on my they're on my podcast whenever i get a, get around to doing one every now and then yeah. so um but uh but yeah I've, I've had some good help along the way and you know now I'm, I'm every time i step on the boat i'm confident we're gonna we're gonna have a really good time um so yeah that's kind of, that's kind of my story man yeah man that's awesome um, I did get the chance to meet Captain Ben Ricks last year at a at an event. Uh, it was a disabled outdoors event, and he kind of come in and and told everybody what it, you because know, people were from Texas and and Wyoming and um, people who may not even have redfish in their state. So he come in. He said, you know, gave a bunch of really interesting. Um, biological facts uh anatomical facts and just talked about what a bull redfish is and how special this fishery is and um but yeah i got the chance to meet him just i mean salt of the earth kind of guy is what it seemed like in the 45 minutes we got to chat over dinner after his um his little guest speaking event um but yeah that thank thank the world of that guy just anybody involved with that who who was there sacrificing time uh for a good reason that was pretty cool uh, but yeah, solid oh, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, and and he's uh he works for for NC Wildlife. He's a marine biologist, so like that's a really good person to have in your corner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like super good person to have in your network. And um, you know, the the Noose River Basin is so large that without a good network, it's really hard to survive. You know, I mean that's that's uh, it's not like you know when bull reds come in in, in you know, late summer, early fall, you know, find the bait, find the fish. That's our motto. You know, it's not that complicated to really get on bull reds. I'm not, I'm not belittling how hard it is to catch one, but it's just not super complicated. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, 
when you're fishing for slot reds, when you're fishing for trout, flounder, stripers, um, crappy, whatever you want to fish for in the noose, I mean, that's a lot of water. There's a whole <laughs> lot of water to cover. Yeah, um, I had a I had a charter this morning with uh, Gary from the from Fisherman's Post, and you know he he jumped on. He's like, "Where are we starting?" And you know we we leave we leave Lawson's Creek and we're heading down the noose. And he's like, "Everywhere looks fishy." I'm like, "I know, right now. Imagine beating that whole bank right there for three days and not catching a thing. It can happen. Trust me, it can happen." Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, I, you know, obviously I, I decided to be a guide on one of the hardest estuaries to guide and, um, the, the success I've had is a combination of just putting so much time in over and over and over and learning these patterns and then having a good network of people where, you know, if a guy calls me and says, Hey man, I'm sitting outside of Goose Creek and a bunch of stumps and there's a bunch of redfish here. Well, if there's a bunch of redfish there in those stumps, and there's a good chance I can go to stumps over in Northwest Creek or Otter Creek or, you know, outside of Slocum, outside of Hancock, I can go find another set of stumps and find these fish. So it, it's not about knowing a GPS location as it is, hey, man, here's what we noticed. They're pushed up in two foot of water or they're sitting on a secondary ledge in five feet. That's what you need to look for. So right. um, I think a lot of a lot of people confuse networking with, you know, hey, come over here to this specific curve in this creek and come get on these fish. When really, the the, the groups that I run in, it's not even about that. Um, it's more, here's what we saw, what did you see? And that's how you learn, and that's how you put your own patterns together. So Right. Yeah, I think I've been a part of both scenes, you know, guilty of both. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been in a place that probably is only big enough for one flats boat. And there's three of us, and we're all good buddies, and we're all three, you know, whether we're struggling that day or whatever, uh, pulling around this flat trying to ping-pong these fish and eventually just looking at one another like, okay, well, this was dumb, you know, but in the moment, you're <laughs> you're making these decisions and trying to help your buddy, whatever the case is, but once you're doing it, you're just like, okay, <laughs> who, whose idea was this? This was kind of stupid, um, but yeah. I've also been a part of the other way, right, so especially with all the different nuances and things you can change and customize and do differently in the fly fishing game. It, we've, I've, I've definitely, excuse me. I've definitely been a part of the other side of that, that you're mentioning. And like, right. Hey, look, we're finding them in, in sort of dirty water and we're using this type of leader. And we're, you know, what, whatever the case is, is, is as yep. the fish move throughout the year and, and do different things throughout the year. Um, and I would say, the latter of those two is probably the more beneficial to the fish and to the productivity of all anglers involved. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you pretty yeah, much? Yeah, I listened to, uh, I listened to your last podcast with John Mauser and I got to tell you guys, uh, my, the first time I fly fished was about a week and a half ago. <laughs> oh, nice. We went, I've, I've never picked it up before. I said, you know, I don't need one more thing for me to spend money on. Like that's, that's the last thing I need is one more thing. And we went, uh, my wife took us to, um, Saluda, North Carolina, which is just South of Asheville. Yeah. Um, and, and we went zip lining in the gorge and we went fly fishing with a guy named Jeb out of Davidson river outfitters. And, you know, she booked the whole thing. She figured out, yep, I need to, 
I need to make sure we're on private waters by ourselves, no one around. And this guy shows up. He's salt of the earth kind of guy. Knows. I tell him right off the bat, hey, we have no idea what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Zero. Yeah. Never picked up fly rod. I said, and a matter of fact, the only thing I've ever seen on a fly is Instagram videos. I didn't YouTube it. I didn't research it because I don't want to know nothing. I don't want to come up here with an assumption. He's like, that's awesome. I got a blank slate. So within an hour, I had my first uh, rainbow trout. It was about 15, 16 inches long. Um, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking like, hey, this is a, this is an okay fish. The guy's like, no, this is a really nice fish. I'm like, oh, okay. So, and then my wife gets hooked up on a couple. She caught one about eight inches, another one 10 inches. I caught two more around 12, 13 inches, but I will not be going that route, but I understand why. And what I mean by I won't go that route is I'm not going to go buy all that gear and try to learn a whole new way of doing things at 50 years old. You know, I'm like, ah, I'm not going to do it, <laughs> yeah. but, right. but I will, but I will call Ozzy. I will call Judd. I will call Ethan and I will go on trips with you guys and use your gear and go, yeah, man, let's go fly fish and I want to try this. So, right. um, yeah, I, it's, I'd rather be good at, I'd be rather be really good at what I'm doing than to be just kind of okay at multiple things. I, I just really don't want to, you know, I heard John talking about, you know, he immersed himself for two years and didn't pick up anything but a fly rod. I'm thinking that would drive me nuts. Cause I have to go <laughs> a lot of days without catching a fish and that's what you have to do. You yeah, know? You're exactly so, right. But yeah, tons of respect for what you guys do in that field. And when the flood times come, I will be calling because I do want a red fish on the fly really, really bad. Um, I really, out of all of it, I want to do a bull red on the fly. That's yeah. kind of my, that's on my bucket list. So I will be, uh, I will be hollering as they say, <laughs> <laughs> as the young bucks say these days. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's sick. Dude. We can make both of those things happen for sure. Um, yeah. fly fishing for in salt water is kind of like, you know, this is an awesome scenario. How can we make it just a little more complicated and more difficult? Yeah, pick up a fly rod. Um, but I think it falls under, like, in the world of um, sportsmen and outdoorsmen, it falls under the same category as bow hunting, right? Like, killing a deer oh, can yeah. be difficult. Um, oh, absolutely, absolutely. So let's make it more Let difficult me, and, and pick yeah. up a bow where your shots have to be closer and your stealth has to be better. Um, that's exactly uh, That's exactly like fly fishing. In fact, I relate it to deer yeah. hunting quite often um, as far as the how close your shots are and how important your stealth is um, and the impact of your first shot, uh, right? So you can kill deer on two and three shots. Um, I know dog hunters who do it all the time, but it, it's a whole lot easier if you just kill the deer on the first shot. That's yeah, how fly way, fishing yeah. for redfish is. Uh, the first time you <laughs> let go of that left hand and you shoot that first 40, 50-foot shot, that needs to be your accurate one. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of similarities there um, in the sportsman outdoors world between bow hunting and fly fishing. Um, but, man, I, I I didn't get – I got my start as a guide, really trout right. fishing. Um, right, I didn't, right. I didn't come into the game as a fly guide. Um, right. That was my passion. I mean, that was for for me – I'll tell you, man, I was I did that because I didn't want to ruin it for me, right? I wanted to see if I could guide. I've always loved catching big speckled trout. It's kind of what 
bit me first, um, what got me into saltwater fishing addictively. And uh, I later picked up fly fishing, really loved it. That was a passion of mine. But I was like, I'm going to keep that for myself right now. And I'm going to try this guiding thing out. And guiding was not anything what I thought it was or would be. Um, but it was the most <laughs> pleasant surprise, right? So I was like, I'm going right. to fish every day and make a bunch of money. Uh, turns no. out I'm rarely the guy with the rod in my hands. <laughs> and I'm not rich. Um, don't make a book, right. you know, quote unquote, <laughs> a bunch of money. But right. I was pleasantly surprised with everything I didn't know guiding was. I ended up loving it even more, right? To share these oh, yeah. angling thrills oh, yeah. and, and to, to be that segue for somebody who, who might have to look at concrete all the time and bring them to an outdoor yeah. area and, and show them how awesome this fishery is. I ended up loving it way more than I thought I would. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to get burned out. I'm not going to end up viewing it as a job and hate it. So might as well, right. you know, got a really good opportunity on a flats boat. And I was like, well... Here goes nothing. Let's try my hand at fly fishing. And you know, that's a growing sport. So, yeah. It, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I felt about it. You know, it wasn't I – mean, this is how I see it. You have, you have two you, – you can, you can break it down to how many different types of guides there are, but really it comes down to two different types of guides. You have guides that have to beat everyone. They have to be the best. They have to catch the most fish. They have to – beat their chest and be the alpha males, alpha females, whatever you want to say, you know, out on the water. And then there's the rest of them, which is the majority of your guides that really could care less if they ever catch a fish ever again. And they get so much joy from watching someone else either catch their personal best or put a kid on, oh my God, putting a kid on a fish. Right. Man, I really early in my career, and I say career, it's been three years, um, about a year and a half in, I uh, I put a, a kid who was nine years old on a 28-inch speckled trout. Oh, and, wow. I mean, and at that point, I'm like, I'm done. I, I can't, I can't, I don't know how I'm going to top this. How can I top not only the kid's first speckled trout that he ever caught, but it was 28 inches. And he was, he had no idea what he had. And I said, you know, I think. And it, it was somewhere around that point. I had a conversation with my wife about it. And I said, I don't think I want to be that guy who says, you know, we caught five limits of fish today and, and use that as a litmus test or as a, um, as a measuring device of how well I'm doing as a guide. Right. I actually prefer the whole experience, the whole experience from the minute you get on the boat to the minute you leave. Mm -hmm. I want whoever, whoever you are, if you're nine years old or 90, either way, I want you to have the best possible experience you can have. And the way I can do that is to treat people with respect, treat people as humans, realize they probably can't cast like I can. They probably can't work a top water like I can. You know, I had a, I had a guy, um, and I'm going to say his name on here because he's such a good dude, Jim Heidenreich. Jim, uh, was the original drummer for Band of Oz. And he owned, he, yeah, he owned metal building, this, this company that built metal buildings like factory buildings. So he, I I do the fishing report every Friday for news river bait and tackle. That's a whole other story, obviously, um, rest in peace, my brother Todd, but, uh, I kind of took it over when he passed 
mm-hmm. um, just to kind of keep the just to keep the keep the vibe going for the store right. and and because of that you know I, there were some people who called and wanted to fish and one of them was Jim and Jim called he got my number and said I want to catch a trophy trout I was like awesome me too where are we going you know like uh, <laughs> I, I'm hopping on your boat where are we going you know so he said uh he said I'm just going to be honest Dana I've listened to your podcast I've li- listened to you on the fishing report um, you're my kind of person and I really feel like I got the best chance with you. I was like, okay. I said, that's a little bit of pressure, but, uh, <laughs> meet me. Yeah. Meet me at the Smith Creek ramp down in Hoboken on such and such a day. Make sure you're there at five forty-five. Uh, the boat's leaving without you. If you're not there, he said, no problem. He got on the boat. I uh, said, don't bring anything. Just bring your, your foul weather gear in case it gets cold. It was May. As a matter of fact, May of last year, I said, I don't think it's going to get too cold, but, you know, it's it's warmed up a bit, and I'm pretty sure we'll catch on some good fish over here. Um, and there's some areas around Hoboken that I fish that do hold larger fish. The problem is you're only going to get one shot at these fish. You're not going to get multiple shots. You've got to make it count quick. So we pulled up on this point. It was about 6 a.m., and I said, Jim, you ever thrown top water? He said, nope. I said, well, you're going to learn right now. <laughs> and I gave him this. There's a um, there's a head and one knocker that's clear and has like blue painting on the side of it. And it's one of my favorite, favorite top waters, um, which on a side note, for about nine months, I threw nothing but top water to make myself good at top water. That was probably 10 years ago. And I never looked back. It's. If you're going trophy trout fish, you need a top water. Period. And Just that's that's how you're gonna do it. Is that so, <laughs> head and one knocker number one on your list of big trout fishing? Head, head, head and one knocker, whether it's bone or that clear one, that's gonna be my number one. My number two is gonna be the big SW skitterwalk in black with the chartreuse head. And then my number three is gonna be a super spook junior. So those are my my three tops. Um, I do like mirror lure stuff, and shout out to them. I love them too, but the, the mirror lures seem to get eaten by redfish a lot more, and the head and stuff and the skitter walks, trout seem to love them. So, yeah. Um, but Jim got on the boat 545. We pull up on this point 6 o'clock. I teach him one time how to throw top water. On his third cast, he had a 6-pound, 26-inch trout. So Lee. And I was at 6.04 a.m., four minutes into the trip. And I turned around and looked at him. And, I mean, he's it's it. We're, I'm pulling the net up and over the gunnel into the boat. And he's already shouting, this is my biggest trout ever. I'm like, how do you know we haven't even waited yet? He goes, trust me, I know. I was like, okay. So we waited. It was 5.95 or 5.97, somewhere in there, probably right around six pounds. Um I threw it on the bump board real quick. It went over 26. So I don't, I didn't really take a big measurement of it, but we got a couple of pictures of it. Belly real fat, put it in the water, let her go. I said, well, that's the end of the trip. We'll see you next time. And he just kind of chuckled. I said, no, nah, let's go catch some more. Come on. And I think we ended up with four or five fish that day, one citation. And, you know, I don't know if I'll ever be able to recreate moments like that, but I've had a lot of that on my boat. Um, people with their personal best, my neighbor, first time he ever fished trout fishing, uh, up here in upper broad Creek. It was shortly before I put Jim on that fish. This guy's Scottish. He's got a Scottish accent. He sounds like Scotty from star Trek. 
<laughs> and never caught a speckled trout before. First fish is 24 inches right at about four and a half pounds. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, apparently I can put people on big fish. So uh, let, let's do that for a little while. And it's, it's just been, it's been a real roller coaster ride the first year and a half. The past year and a half, I felt like I really found my groove and I really feel comfortable um, putting people on fish. Right, so, right. Um, and, and any advice for, I know there's a, I know there's a big debate about all the new captains out there and, you know, all the old heads who have been doing it a long time. We've got that here on the news too, no matter where you're at. And the truth is, you know, when we were, when we were younger in the nineties, there was 6 billion people on the planet. Now there's eight, you know, you can't take them all fishing by yourself. So there's, <laughs> there's plenty of customers to go around. There really is. Right. And, and if you're good at what you do, then they're not going to take your customers. There's no way. Right. Uh, you know, most people who charter, take a charter captain, they're loyal and they really like fishing with the person. It has, and it's getting less and less and less about meat hauls. And slowly, what I'm seeing is a transition into they really want to fish with this person. Mm-hmm. You know, so which I think is kind of cool. You know, it's it's more about the experience again than it is how many fish you can catch. Right. But ultimately, you do, you do need to produce. You do need to catch fish. I will say that. Don't go get your captain's license if you can't catch fish. Like that's not a smart <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> I would say not. There's a formula I think that it takes to yeah. to be a good guide, and that's not being yeah. presumptuous saying that I I think I'm a good guide or whatever. I just I believe that if you can yeah. stay true to this formula, that you will be a good guide, and that's a good mix of personality. Providing the 100%. experience and being fishy. You can't miss Absolutely. any of those things, right? If you catch right. all the fish in the world, but you have a personality of a cardboard box, then you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna run new clients for the rest of your career. You're just not gonna have those repeats. Absolutely. But Absolutely. if you're a really, Absolutely. really nice guy and you know how to provide experience, but your clients never catch fish, or, or you can't be um I don't want to say fishy because I really don't consider myself fishy. I'm very analytical with how I catch fish and where I, where I go and what I do. Uh, but if you can't put that together, if you can't provide the fish <laughs> over the rails, then your personality right. and your experience eventually won't be enough. It might be enough for a good long while, but eventually it won't be enough. Um, ultimately, right. people right. hire you the first time to catch fish and hire the second time because they liked you. So... Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. Well, I mean, what's the old saying? You can fool some of the people some of the time, but not all the people all the time. You that's can, right. You know, you, you, you've got to have that combination of personality. You got to have that combination of, you know, that, that confidence, not arrogance, but confidence, knowing what you're doing. Right. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, I don't think people with those kind of personalities really never consider themselves fishy and they're probably fishier than they think, you know, um, but as long as you keep that kind of mentality where, you know, there's, there's some guys, uh, you know, around and no matter where I've been, Virginia, here, Texas, you know, Florida, different places I've caught speckled trout, there's, there's people who just have to be the loudest one in the room and the best one in the room. And, you know, it, the truth is there's probably 50 guys right beside you who can catch fish just like you. They just don't talk like you do, you know? So, mm-hmm. yep. um, and, and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't go fishing with those people. I actually like to fish with people that I know 
Um, first, I want to. It's like golf. I don't want to go golf with somebody who can't golf as well as I do. Like on fun times. I'm talking about fun fishing. If I fun fish, I want to go with people I think are fishier than me because I want to go learn. You know, I want to pick up something. I want to get on, you know, Judd's boat and I want to pick apart a flooded marsh and go, how do you do that again? You know, mm-hmm. um, I want to go with Addison and I want to go sit in some clear water and, and watch him get mad at me because I throw the jig right on top of the fish's head. You know, <laughs> like, so, like yeah. I, I want to go, I want to go experience life like that. Like I, I want to learn from people and I, I think that goes a long way. Um, and the day I stop learning, I probably need to put the rod down, sell the boat, and just quit at that point. Yeah, so, yeah. Which, which I'll never get to that point because I can't retain enough in this brain. I really can't. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't either. That's why I had to keep a fishing log. Um, oh, 100%. Speaking of logs, are you a fishing log guy? Absolutely. And I do it in a trifecta manner. So I've got a written log. I've got a digital log. And I've got a camera roll. And the good thing is I'm smart enough with technology. I can go back if I don't know what the pressure was, if I don't know if it was rising or falling. Um, I'm not a moon worshiper, but I do believe that, you know, God created everything in a cycle. So I think they feed a certain way. You know, I'm never one to say absolutes because you can say, you know, you're probably not going to catch fish today because it was a full moon last night. And they fed all night. And the first fish you catch is 26 inches that morning. So <laughs> yeah. a, a, a fish, yeah, a fish will make you a liar quick. So don't speak in absolutes. That's, that's number one rule. Don't do it. Um, but I keep a log that it's just basics, you know, what the water temp was, what the wind direction was, and if the barometric pressure was rising or falling and how dirty was the water. And I only have three levels, clean, stained, and dirty. That's that's just basically that's your three stained. I can probably still see the trolling motor head in the water dirty. I can't see the trolling motor head clean. I can generally see a long way. Um, I like to know the wind direction because on the noose, we don't have tides. We have wind driven tides. So mm-hmm. I know that if it's a Northeast wind, I'm going to have higher water, which is going to allow me into some other spots that I can't normally fish in the summertime for uh for redfish so for example may and june of last year was really really good for slot reds on the noose because we had a few weeks where it felt like it was always a northeast wind and it piled water into the noose to where there's some places that i know i've never seen water on there that had water in it and i was like wow okay so I can really push up on these stumps and get a little bit further closer and get a lot closer than what I normally am. And what I found was the bait fish had nowhere to hide and they were just getting crushed all over the place by redfish. So that, that was a good time. Um, but you've got to keep a record somehow, whether you're good at writing it down or whether you use, like I've got notes in my phone and then I've got pictures. Obviously I can go back and take a look at um, the notes in my phone, usually that's what I use on the water to translate over to the paper notes. But, you know, I, I try to keep it simple. Um, I'm not going to write down that it was, you know, 29.97, you know, milli, millibars or whatever, of, you know, inches of mercury, you know, and the, and the wind was south, southeast at two points set. Like, no, it's, hey, light wind out of the south, you know, barometric pressure was steady, rising or falling. And then how, how clean was the water and what was the temperature of the water? So, um, those things kind of help. 
And one of the questions I had on the boat today was, if you haven't been on the water for a while, how do you judge where you're going to go? And it was based on history. Where's my logbook? Tell me, where was I last February or March? What was the water temperature? What was the conditions? And that's how I'm going to go start. If I haven't been on fish in a while or if I've been busy on vacation, you know, fly fishing in the mountains, come back where the speckled trout moved to, um, you know, that, that's how you do it. That's how you put those patterns together. Um, otherwise, you can get on the noose or any other body of water and be completely lost. And that is not a good feeling at all. Mm-mm. No, sir. And, and you're talking about how vast that noose is. The first time that I was on it, you know, I was doing something. And I was like, well, let's, let me run across the river. It's kind of rough. And it seemed like such a short ride. You know, I'm just going to cut across this river <laughs> cut across this <laughs> river, and get to the calm side. Dude, I was halfway there. I'm like, oh, am I going in the right direction? Like, <laughs> is my yeah. heading right? Like, this is ridiculous. That, I felt like I was on a and, treadmill. And that's everywhere from once you get past um, Broad Creek and Goose Creek, you know, running straight across from like last year during old drum season i was sitting over just uh just south of johnson point right along the area before you get to flanders beach and we had some old drum in there and everybody was on them there was 400 boats over there and i said well let me run across over in front of beards creek and see if there's anything there 10 minutes later i'm like oh my god this took so long because i'm thinking again in my head and I fish on it all the time. I'm just going to run five minutes across. Um, even worse, if you're fishing on the lower part and you want to go from Oriental to Turnigan Bay, it don't look that far, but it's a long, long ride. And if you've got the wind uh, pushing against you or you've got a quarter of those waves, you better have a decent-sized bay boat with some really good flare because you're probably going to get wet if you don't. So, right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is not oh, flat yeah. boat friendly. No, and I, I want a flat boat so bad I can taste it, but the truth is there's not very many places I can use it on the noose, and I am not going to encroach on other people's fishing down in Swansburg, and you know I, that's where a lot of my buddies fish down there. Um, I, I feel like I can go to Lawson's Creek just about year-round and launch and just catch different fish if I have to, right. so, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely enjoy Swansburg. That's probably the most northern tip of, of my area. <laughs> And, um, yeah, that's a, that's a real good clean water, cool area, but it's so funny. You go just a little bit further North and it, it's a night and day fishery. I mean, it's a hundred percent. It's ridiculous, but that's 100%, the, yeah. that's the beauty of North Carolina. You know what I mean? From the Northern tip of the East coast to the Southern tip of the East coast in North Carolina is just so much variety and you're going to change oh my fisheries God. 25 different times. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, I can, I've, I've fished tournaments where, you know, we started in New Bern and I ended up in Pamlico Point or almost all the way over to the Pamlico River. And it's a whole different area. I mean, you're fishing in completely different situations. Um, especially in the summertime when you're out fishing, you know, places like Inglehart or, uh, Swan Quarter or Juniper Island or, uh, Juniper Bay. Um, any of those places, man, Long Bay, West Bay, up behind Cedar Island and all up there. I mean, that's, everything is different. Then you do have tide to worry about. Then you do have to worry about, am I going to skim across the sandbar that I didn't see here last week? You know, I mean, that, that's a whole different. So, you know, it, it, core sound, 
I, God have mercy. Anybody who runs trips in there, I got to tip my hat to you because that place changes all the time. And that's pretty cool. So, but where else in the world can you go catch speckled trout in 15 foot of water? And then the next day at 65 degrees out, run out to shark Island and catch just one giant red after the next. Right. I mean, it's just, it, we have, we are so blessed with what we have. Um, that it's, it's just absolutely amazing what we have here. And if you're the type like me who wants to, I want to catch everything, but I got to back myself off once in a while. Um, you know, it, it, it can be a whole lot of fun. So yeah, when I get bored, when I get bored with speckled trout, I'll run out, you know, in the spring and I'll go catch Bonita and false albacore. I don't run trips for them because it's just, it's not cost effective to go do that, especially living in New Bern. But it's definitely somewhere I like to go fun fish with friends of mine. You know, like, hey, let's go do this and let's have fun. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very unique, man, because um, you got some of the best false albacore fishing. You've got the rockfish yeah. capital of the world. you got the breeding 100%. grounds for um, bull redfish. And mm-hmm. you've got some of the best speckled trout fishing to be had. And you keep working your way south, you know, geographically you've got some epic slot red fishing we get flood mm-hmm. tides um it's it from from the north part to the south part man the north carolina coast is a force to be reckoned with i think there's a total of like 2.6 billion acre no 2.6 million acres um it's ridiculous of estuary and <laughs> water a lot. uh this yeah. is crazy i mean we, and we've got the northern fish and we've got the southern fish that's what really i feel like makes us unique you know, unlike South yeah. Carolina and Georgia and Florida, we've, we've Florida, got, yeah, we've got northern fish and we've got southern fish and we've got a crap ton of coastal rivers. So, and I know yeah. those fisheries are great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, all of those Texas, Louisiana, Florida, they have great fisheries, but uh, I guess I have to be partial. <laughs> if, uh, there's, there's- it's just, it's true though. There's just something about here. I mean, it, it, marlin fishing. Let's not, I mean, we haven't even talked about offshore. Marlin fishing. Marlin fishing alone. Mahi, Wahoo, bluefin tuna. I mean, there's just so much that this place has to offer. And it, and it, it always blows my mind to see people, um, especially, you know, on social media that are going to destination places like, you know, like Florida and Texas. I'm like, bro, y'all, y'all skip right over North Carolina. We got a lot going on here. So, um, and the few people who do know about it. And I mean, those guys, I mean, I've had people, you know, a group of clients that, Hey man, we, there's four of us. Um, we'll pay 400 a piece and we want to go catch bull reds. I mean, I, I didn't even, they didn't ask me my rate. They didn't ask anything. They just offered, we want to go catch, bull reds and we want to do it on popping courts i'm like well you called the right guy let's go do this so yeah i I mean i mean that's but that's the kind of trophy fishery we have it's absolutely amazing and um you know guys like you know like you and like judd and ethan you know all you guys who you know are really kind of advocates for you know not only just releasing fish because that's just the tip of the iceberg Um, but just for, you know, advocating for cleaner water, advocating for better management practices, you know, you can't say enough about that. So I think, 
I think we always get caught up on the arguments of who keeps fish and who don't. When the truth is there's so many factors that come into it. You know, there's so right. much more um, than just how many fish you get to keep. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a lot, a lot that goes into it. Uh, and there's oh, a yeah. lot that can be done from everybody, no matter what kind of guide you are. Um, whether you're a bait guy, whether you're a fly fishing guide or, or an artificial only guy, um, there's a lot to be done and I, and I don't know if it's a popular opinion or not, but I think we're moving in the right direction for sure. Um, I know that comes. I, well, most, uh, most pop, most unpopular opinions are usually the right opinion. So <laughs> even if it, even if it's not popular, it's the right thing, you know, and, and I'm certainly not, you know, an advocate for catch and release only. I eat fish. I like fish. I love fish tacos with written, you know, using redfish. That's my favorite fish to eat. I'm never going to keep a flounder because I think it's bland. Speckled trout's a little bit mushy, even though it's my favorite fish to catch. But if I have, if you send me out on the river and you go, Hey, go catch us dinner. I'm coming back with redfish. And I mean, that's, that's without a doubt. So you can still keep fish and still maintain a good fishery. You can still have that conservation mindset where, you know, I'm only going to keep what I need to keep to eat. I'm not going to overdo it. And Mm -hmm. I don't have to fill a cooler every single time I go. So, and that's the mentality that we have to push beyond. Um, And, you know, obviously there's a lot of movements out there. Um, I I think the movement's got to start within your own circle though. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's cool to post pics on social media and, and do the little release thing and, and tag people and go, look how great we are, you know, doing this. But, the truth is, you know, you have to affect change in your own circle. So the people you know, you go, hey, man, you really need to keep 12 fish. I mean, there's three of you on the boat. Did you really need to keep 12? You know, I, how many of y'all did you did those? You know, how many are sitting in freezer bags getting freezer burned? Mm-hmm. So, and I only eat fresh fish. I don't eat frozen fish. Why? I can go right here outside my house, crank the truck, pull the boat, go catch fish, come back and eat. Right. So, Yep. you know now i let my clients decide if they want to keep them or not that's up to them you guys want to keep a limit of fish that's that's up to you that's fine but if we catch a large one i'm going to tell them hey there's a good chance this thing's going to make more babies so uh what do you think we let this one go you know like the kid with the 28 inch trout most kids at nine years old with a fish that large is going to look at you and go i want to keep this thing because yeah. they don't know any better right so you know that's how you that's how you impart you know, change or, or that's how you affect change. You, you look at a nine year old kid and go, Hey man, there's four other fish in that live well. How about we let this one go? You know, this is kind of a big one. It's a mama, you know, and he goes, yeah, let's let it go. And it's that simple. Now he's going to teach his kids. His kids are going to teach his kids, you know, it's, and it's exponential from there. So, um, that's how I think it's got it, it, it. Every big change in the world starts with small changes. You know, if you want to, I always equate it to when I was in the Navy and you had to turn the ship, um, you don't necessarily just throw the rudder hard over and turn every single time. Sometimes big changes require small rudder movements and you want to nudge the ship in the right direction and just kind of get it going and turning in the right direction. So, but I think we've started that. I think that trend has really started and I think it's settled in and, you know, whether it's the popular opinion or the, the, the catchy thing to do or, I mean, you know, whatever, 
I think we're we're starting to see fruits of that, which is really good. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, now, I think a, a byproduct of that is popularity in the fishery. Um, sure. I know there's a lot of people upset about how busy the ramps are and how many people are fishing. and But the bottom line is, and I've, I'm sure I've said this before on the podcast, the bottom line is the more people that love what we have, the more people that are going to be willing to protect what we have. <clears throat> so it might suck right. that you get beat on Saturday morning to your favorite spot. <laughs> And it does. I get it. It we've been there. That doesn't. That's not fun. But the more people that love it, the more people that will protect it. And with this, oh, with this push, this nudge, as you said, in this direction, um, I believe it's going to be a really good thing. Um, I oh, have yeah. high hopes. I believe in my career and most likely your career, um, we're going to see a, a change for the better with our fishery. I agree, and. It, it start like I said, it starts young, and the reason is it's not necessarily about that kid releasing fish. It's more about that kid could be a state senator one day, you know, and right. he might he might vote for a change in law that that helps this sure. fishery maintain what it is. So you never know what kind of what kind of impact you make. I mean, look, compare it to a drop of drop a rock in the water and look at all the waves. You know, they just dis, they dissipate from the center, and the center becomes calm again, but those waves go out and you never know where they're going to end up. So, um, that's, and that's how I try to do it on my boat. And again, it's not about preaching to people. It's just more like just just call it education, Mm -hmm. you know, to say, you know, Hey, this, we've got four 18 inch fish. What do we need a 20 inch fish for? What do we need a 25 inch for? What do I need to cull for? And I've been guilty of it too. And that's, that's the one thing that a lot of people need to take a look and say, Hey, I was, I was that guy too. That's I used exactly to fill right. coolers. And, yeah. hundred percent. We all did it. All of us. So, um, so I, I think compare that to, I used to smoke and now I don't smoke anymore. The worst guy ever is an ex smoker. Cause they're going to tell you, Hey man, you ought to quit that. <laughs> and when I quit, <laughs> I'm so glad I quit because it changed my whole life. So, you know, I, it changed my perspective on on the fishery itself, um, even to the point of, you know, when clients say they were going to keep fish, like, well, do you need to keep a limit or you just need two fish? How about we keep two? You know, how about we keep 117 and 119 and not 318? How's that work? Oh, yeah, that'll be fine. So they're very malleable and they're very willing to learn. And, you know, if they're not, then OK, you know, it's your choice as a guide not to have them on your boat again. So it's not a big deal. Right. Yeah. But I, I'd also recognize, I do like catch and release, but if you go out and you're fishing and there's hooks on your lures in line or treble, you're going to damage a fish in some way, shape, or form. Will it heal? Great. Will it not heal? Depends on where he gets hooked. But, you know, imparting knowledge on people is not about elitism. It's about just trying to do the right thing that's it yeah you're and exactly i think right. i think i think that's the big turnoff especially for some of the older crowd or some of the more stubborn people is that you know it can come off almost as well i release everything so i'm better than you okay that's not the case just just do it because it's the right thing not because you want to be better than someone and those are discussions that i have with lots of anglers and lots of captains and, you know, they, 
most of us are all in the agreement of that, but it's the friends people who make it just, ugh, oh my God, really? Like, please. <laughs> you know? yeah. Which I guess that's in anything in society. The friends people make it the worst. <laughs> yeah. And I think you're going to have yeah. this polarization in, the, in that um, concept of sides and stuff like that, no matter where you go. I mean, oh, 100%. every organization, every business, every community, Everything. every topic, you know what I mean? But the good news is, is I believe that it's probably will never come to an end, but it's going to be pushed in the right direction. Um, so I agree. Um, I agree. But before we get any further, man, I, I would yeah. love to talk big speckled trout with you. Um, <laughs> that is, I don't know if I'm qualified to talk big speckled trout, but we'll I, do it. We'll I do mean, it. Qualified or not, you've earned the reputation. So, <laughs> okay. Tell me a little bit about how you like to target big speckled trout. We've already hit on some of your favorite topwater lures, but walk yep. me through the the perfect scenario, whether it be forecast or spot. And I'm not looking for your spots by any means. Don't want your black yep. magic. But yep. uh, describe to me the the big trout scenario. Okay, so. Uh, a few years ago, I was at a uh, one of the fishing expos. I don't remember exactly which one, but um, one of my heroes and now one of my friends and one of my colleagues is Ricky Kellum. I love Ricky to death. Um, he is probably, in my opinion, the greatest speckled trout angler on the planet. Now, does that mean there's better guys out there? Probably. I don't know those guys, though. I know Ricky. So um, he is... If you said, Dana, you have three hours to live, find someone to catch a speckled trout. I'm calling Ricky right then. I'm not calling anybody else. So, but we were at a, at a fishing thing and my wife and I went and, you know, she really enjoyed the whole day and learned how to tie rigs and all that. And I'm like, I got to go see Ricky Kellum. I have to go see him. So we get in there and the, the topic was how to catch a trophy trout. That was the topic. And ultimately, this is what I learned. And this is not a joke. You have to be where they're at. I remember him saying that. And I remember thinking in my head, great, that's the advice we're going to get. That's what we <laughs> that's what we paid for, which was to hear you got to be where they're at. Well, after putting pattern after pattern after pattern after pattern together, it dawned on me one day, you got to be where they're at. So. Right. Big speckled trout are, I think, that in my opinion, and this is not backed by science, this is my opinion, I think there's two types. I think there's the residential, and then I think there's the, migra the migratory ones. And the only reason I say that is I've caught some big ones that had black backs, and I've caught some that looked like they just came out of the surf. Mm -hmm. And both fish were in the same place. I've caught, let's see, last not this past year, but the year before, 2020, I caught three 26s back to back on three cats, and oh, wow. all three were in this. All three were in the same place, and all three looked different. One looked like a Texas trout, almost like a sand trout, just very light colored. Half of the specks were missing; they were just basically from the waist down. It's the best way to describe it. The sure. next one looked like a. The next one looked like a creek trout. I mean, just his dark black back and then big sharpie black dots on him that ran all the way from the back of his neck all the way down. 
And then the third one, just like a normal Noose River trout. And at that point is when it hit me in the head. you got to be where they're at. So I've, I've been lucky enough to not only catch one, but a lot of big trout and find out where they are. Now, I'm still on my search for one bigger than 28 that I hook. You know, um, I've had some really, really big fish on my boat, on my charters. But, you know, for me, my largest, I just caught December 23rd, which was my birthday last year, and that was 27 and a half inches. I was fishing in 15 foot of water, and that water was moving at about a knot and a half. I mean, it was really moving. Oh, wow. But but here's why I went. I know, right? I know. (laughs) But here's why I did it. So I looked at the weather that day, and we had a front coming through. We had a we had a barometric pressure that was going to bottom out, and it was all going to happen between one and four o'clock. So I went where I knew these big trout were in December, and sure enough, you know we put one in the boat. And the, the irony of it is, I caught two twenty-six inch drum right before that, so we thought it was another drum, but. The third one being a 27 half inch trout. Of course, I put the little video up of me measuring it and I'm yelling and hollering and, you know, having such a good time. And I was just happy to finally break 27. I mean, I caught so many 26.9 inch fish. It was ridiculous. And I was like, this is starting to wear. And I know I should be thankful that I catch anything at all, but I, I was really starting to get disappointed. So for every month of the year, I've got a notebook that tells me where these big fish I've caught them. And I don't, have them like a GPS spot because I know right where these places are. But March and April typically is going to be around the mouths of creeks and around stumps. That's where I'm going to look for big trout and I'm going to throw top water for, well, I'll do that for May as well. Mm-hmm. June, July, August, I'm going to be out in the sound on structure. And when I say structure, it could be, um, it could be Brand Island Shoals. Um, which is just one long shoal that runs through the Pamlico Sound a good ways that has deep water next to it. So um, it could be sunken shrimp boats. It could be inlets up and around um, the backside of Cedar Island. It could be any of that stuff. Um, but that's where I'm going to go target the, the summertime, the bigger trout. Now, the in the summertime, you're going to get longer trout. They're just not going to be as fat. We all, you know, we've, we've seen that before. Um, they're really skinny and sometimes you hold them, they look almost papery, but, um, but those, those fish are going to be, you really need to find a whole lot of bait to find those big fish. Uh I feel like those, I feel like those big fish really follow schools of bait all through the sound, all over the place. So, um, once it hits October, you know, I roll out of old drum season looking for the trophy trout again. I've got a spot in the lower noose that I go every year around mid to late October, I go sit on this one point and on my grandfather's birthday a few years ago, um, I popped two citations back to back on top water. I go fish there every year and I pop citations there every time. So what I've learned is these fish are in the same places. So if you are lucky enough to ever land a five pound, six pound trout, whatever, whatever size it is, go fish those conditions in that place again, and likely you'll catch another one. But I'm generally going to target them with top water 
or when it's the winter time, I'm going to use deep jigs and I'm going to fish it super, super, super slow in the winter time. So, um, that's really the, the, really the best advice I ever got was be where they're at. And once you learn where they're at, you, you just kind of have to go and just go try and try and try. There's a, there's a spot in Campbell's Creek that a friend of mine and I have fished and there's been 29 and 30 inch fish pulled out of that same spot between him, his buddies and me. And I mean, there's been some really nice fish pulled out, but you have to go fish it routinely. And out of five trips, you might zero out five times. And on that sixth trip, you might get one. So, um, it's not, it's not a simple process. Um, and it's an art. I, I firmly believe it's not something simple. You do have the, you know, like the lady in, uh, in Pungo who caught that one on a live Menhaden. Yeah, just recently. You know, I, oh, man, that's really awesome. But, you know, that's lightning in a bottle. But I guarantee you, you go fish around those docks at that same time of year, wherever she lives, there's going to be another one. Guarantee it. They're going to be there. So, and those are, to me, like I said, I don't speak in absolutes, but I do absolutely believe that these fish are creatures of habit and go back to the same spot. It's why you can go to certain spots for redfish and you know that on a certain tide, they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's the, the, the fish, we give them a lot of credit for how smart they are. The reality is they're just dumb animals looking for the next meal and trying to stay away from predators. That's what they're doing. <laughs> I, so, re- I remember how simple they are next time I'm struggling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Hey, I, we hey, we struggled today, so I know exactly. It wasn't a it wasn't a smorgasbord, but we put it together. So. That's right. No, I understand completely. But I think that's super helpful. Um, being where they're at and kind of following throughout the year, that's super helpful uh, for targeting big trout. Um, I think it's, that's that's right on. I I may or may not be taking notes right now. Um, <laughs> but. Well, you, Think about the guys you've seen at Chasing Tails every year that weigh in big fish. Sure. Just, um, ah, what's the Gilligan guy's name? Mr. Uh, Richard Gilligan. I mean, it's not like he's got a pen that he keeps them in. You know what I mean? He's Mm -hmm. just figured out that pattern and he knows where to go. Yeah. And that's, and it just comes from, and he probably fishes that same spot for two months because he knows one day it's going to put out a big fish and he's going to be okay. Um, some of the guys I respect in some of the tournaments, um, Brandon White, Chris Ivey, Lambert Garris, um, David Mercer, Burt Hill, these guys who catch big fish, I've seen them go into a spot on a creek and never leave and beating a hole to death because they know that fish is going to make its way through there at some point. So, and I learned a lot by watching those guys too. So, yeah, those so that's, there's good re- anglers. Yeah, there's no, yeah, there's no secret to, to catching big trout. It's just a whole lot of fail, a whole lot of fail. I mean, an epic amount of fail with sprinkled with a few successes. That's trophy trout fishing. And it's so rewarding the first time you get thumped by one that's, you know, over 22 inches, 23 inches. You can feel it in your rod. It doesn't feel like just another fish. It doesn't feel like a head shake. I mean, that fish is shaking from somewhere in its waist, and it's trying to yank you into the water, and it's it's just so different. 
So, yeah. I, I mean, that's the addictive portion of it. And I love redfish. Ben, Ben Ricks really, he got on my case one time. He's like, you know, you can catch redfish too. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I really love speckled trout. I can't help it. So <laughs> it's yeah. just something about it, man. That's the beauty of fishing, man. There are so many different facets. I mean, oh, yeah. so many different facets. And like I said, I come into it as a, um, gosh, when I was in high school as a speckled trout enthusiast. Um, but later saw a redfish swimming in clean water and tailing in grass. And I was like, that's really cool. Um, and picked up a fly rod. Now I don't know, you know, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Do I want to be a speckled trout guy? Do I want to be a fly fishing for reds guy? I have no idea, but, um, that's the beauty. There's different facets to kind of rabbit hole into throughout your career. It's, it's really cool. Um, but I think that's really well well said. well, not to mention at any point, you can just go poke your boat right out the inlet at any time you want and light line big Spanish on Menhaden. So, I mean, there's there's so many things that you can do as a guide here. Um, and if you can pull it all off, man, that's awesome to me. If I lived closer that way, that's probably how I would operate. I would just chase the fish that are there instead of going around chasing the same fish all over North Carolina. But, um Again, it's it's just we're, we just have such an awesome place like that, and yeah, I'm just like be. you, man. I got I got bit by the speckled trout bug first, and then redfish, and you know it's just it compounds and keeps going and keeps going, and you know the next thing you know you're watching 800 YouTube videos all trying to tie the same <laughs> knot, you know, yeah, like, right? You know, and and really what it comes down to, you know, is just go beat the water and find out what works for you mm-hmm. and do that. That's right. If you fish, if all you fish is a paddle tail for the rest of your life, eventually you're going to start catching a lot of fish on paddle tails and you can fish them year round. If you want to fish mirror lures, go fish nothing but mirror lures. I told myself last year, I said, when, when April gets here, I'm going to put the trout rods down and all we're going to do is reds until October. And I did it, and I forced myself to do it, and I was thankful for it because summertime trout fishing is not easy, and and those fish are really spooky. You got to get them real, real early in the morning. You, you're not going to get them in the middle of the day like you do in the winter time. Um, you got, especially the larger ones. You've got to be. I mean, you've got to be beating the bank while it's still almost dark. So um, I, I told myself I'm not leaving Newburn very much. I'm going to run drum trips here and. Uh, honestly, it did a lot for my soul because it reminded me that there's other fish out there. You know, it doesn't all have to be about one fish, you know, and, and you can treat the redfish with the same respect you treat the speckled trout. Oh, yeah. You, know, you don't have yeah. to, you don't have to just release just speckled trout. You can release a whole lot of redfish too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it, it's, a, it's a blessing to love speckled trout. It's a curse to love speckled trout, but it's always, it's always going to be my first love, without a doubt. Yeah, now I'm the same way, man. I think speckled trout's my first love. I think I'm enamored with that species more so than any other species. But uh, it's got to be sight fishing for me. Um, that is my favorite style of fishing. So if you can combine yeah. those two, if you can go sight fish with a fly rod, speckled trout, which is the coolest species uh, for me in North Carolina, <laughs> then that's that's the and I, I think I said that on uh a podcast judd was hosting uh sometime yep. 
early winter or something. Anyways, that yep. and I still I stick that. to that. I'm like, look, trout, coolest species, coolest way to fish, sight fishing. So that's where I get yeah. my my conclusion. But most of the time, our sight fishing can you know is pretty much redfish, which is totally a great thing to go do. But uh, we don't we only get very few opportunities and windows to go target right. the trout with the long rod. So right, you just take advantage of, take advantage of them when you can, and um, but yeah, split up your year in some pretty sick ways. But absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, man. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, no. I uh, just just keep an eye on stuff to come. Um, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be adding some things to real to real fishing pretty soon. Obviously, the podcast is out there. Um, I know it's weird to promote your own podcast on somebody's podcast. No, but, absolutely, you know, dude. Um, <laughs> um, I've I've invested in some gear that allows me to to take it portable. So when I have Captain Ozzy on my podcast, I'm going to drive down to Steeds Ferry and I'm going to fish and then we're going to do a podcast because I can record it straight onto my board, right onto an SD card. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to start doing a lot more traveling. So, um, you know, charter fishing is, it's fun. It's very rewarding for me. It's not my primary source of income right now. Um, but I treat every trip as though it's it's life or death, and I, I think that's what sets me apart. Um, I think that's why people like to fish with me. They see the effort that I put in, and if you want to book a trip, I only run three or four a month, but you know I will do the best I can to keep you on fish. And you can you can find me on Facebook, uh, Instagram. That's about all I really do. Uh, and you know, just give me a call. We'll go do some. Uh, my, I, I run where the fish are, so I'm going to do speckled trout till May, and then I'll be all over redfish until October. So, all right. And, and where can everybody find you if they want to book a trip with you? Uh, it'll be on. You just go to Instagram or Facebook and just hit me up on Messenger. And both of those, Instagram and Facebook, for real to real fishing, has my contact information as far as my email and my phone number. So you can reach me through there, and I will do everything i can to accommodate you um the only thing i won't do is uh i won't catch the fish for you i might hand you the rod but i'm gonna teach you how to fish so this isn't this is never going to be one of those i just fill your cooler for you and you leave you're you're going to be an angler by the time you leave so yeah right on well uh man i really do appreciate you sitting down and chatting with us and hope to have you on another time but uh Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will catch you on the next one.